eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined by Gabby Urrutia. We got some recruiting to touch on. We got some football to touch on uh, after I was up at the ACC kickoff slash ACC media days. Um, So plenty to get to here in this episode. Let's jump into it, Gabby. I think, you know, the last podcast we did was... A little bit while ago, I think it was what last Tuesday, where we kind of previewed and highlighted where things stood um, with a big week of decisions uh, on the horizon at that point. And there's been some changes uh, and there's been some announcements with those five guys. So let's let's start with the three that we know of, the three that have results, and that is uh, offensive lineman from Finland, Olaus Olenin. Uh, committed to Alabama, which you you indicated was was kind of trending that way in the podcast. So that happened. Uh, Jonel Aguero, the top fifty safety prospect out of Massachusetts, he committed to Georgia. You know Miami made a strong run there, uh, but at the end he uh, he picked Georgia, and then Peyton Kirkland, uh, which you. You kind of set the table nicely there um, in terms of how that recruitment was going from a Miami perspective. You kind of made it clear, like, look, Miami wasn't necessarily all in on on bringing him into this class. Uh, You know, the week of him making his announcement, he decided or Miami kind of let him know, like, hey, I I think we're just going to go in a different direction. It's, It's probably not the best fit for us. And he shocked the world, Gabby, and committed to Texas, where he had not visited or even really talked to before that week. So don't know what he's trying to prove by doing that. But hey, we all make our own decisions and we wish him the best of luck at Texas if that is, in fact, where he ends up going. Um, But let's stick with those three guys, Gabby. I mean, just your thoughts on those on those three, I don't know. What I guess let's let's have a conversation here. How do you view these quote unquote misses for Miami on the recruiting trail? Do you view them as like because I think the fan base still has the mentality of the Manny Diaz era or the Al Golden era right. or even the Mark Richt era of like, oh man, we missed on these big time targets. This is disastrous. My message to to Miami fans now when it comes to recruiting is look you're in some big time battles now <clears throat> you're going against georgia alabama uh texas apparently right um and you're not going to win all these battles um 
So that's going to be part of the game. There's going to be some misses now with Mario Cristobal. But at the same time, he's not going to drop his standard of recruit that he's going to try and fill that spot. Yeah, they missed on Joan Aguero. Um, they're not going to drop to some like no name, uh, I don't know, three star prospect that has no business uh, getting looked at by Miami. He's just going to go on to the next big timer and try to fill that spot. And the same, of course, is is true on the offensive line board. So do you think that's a fair way to look at it? How, how do you think how do you process, I guess, the quote unquote over three, which probably technically is over two if we're being real? Um but just this weekend of, of commitments not going Miami's way. I think that's the best way to put it, right? I mean, Miami is, we, we can't forget where Miami's been too, right? Like fresh off of a seven and six season, uh, you know, Miami's able to land the five-star offensive tackle again. Like you kind of look at what they've already done in the month of July. And I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous between, you know, Riley Williams, Jaden Wayne, Raul Guire, um, you know, Nathaniel Joseph, I mean, kind of dating, going back a little bit, Jaden Rashad, uh, I think I already said Francis Malgoa, like, you know, all the, like they're, they're getting this thing rolling, but they're also, they also just kind of strung together, a, a you know, a run of, you know, big time recruiting wins. And you're again, like, like you said, David, they're not going to win them all. So allows Allen. And when you go to toe to toe with Alabama, uh, you know, who also wanted Francis Malagoa, you know, you're again, it, it's just right. one of those situations where you're, you're, you're in the big boy level of, of recruiting. Now you're not recruiting against, you know, some of the programs that maybe Miami was recruiting against previously. I mean, you are going head to head with college football playoff, you know, regulars and, uh, you know, national ch championship winners and all those types of things. So yeah, you're not going to win all these recruiting battles. And then at the same time, Miami also hasn't necessarily, you're winning some of those recruiting battles, but Miami also hasn't necessarily proved it on the field that they're really turning the corner. It's just, you know, the excitement of Mario Cristobal and all that stuff. So you're kind of going toe to toe with these schools that have proven it on the field that have hardware, you know, kind of, you know, front and center in their recruiting in their football facilities. Miami doesn't have any of that and they're already winning some recruiting battles. So just give it time. And, you know, again, you're not going to win them all, but I think where my where my battles Miami has won have been really impressive. So, you know, just kind of stick with them. Uh, you know, this it, it, it's all going to turn out fine in the end for sure. They're still going to land big time players, right, exactly. even at these positions they missed. That's the bottom line. Like Mario is a maniac when it comes to recruiting. He's not going to lower the standard of player they take just because they missed a guy and they need to go get a win on the recruiting trail. Um, so. Let's transition now to two guys that were expected to announce last week that pushed back. Um, and let's go, I guess, in the order of that expected announcement. So uh, four-star on the composite, safety, Jaden Bonsu, who is out of the New Jersey area. He was supposed to commit Wednesday, pushed back to, I don't think he ever named a date, right? It's kind of this indefinite. Yeah up in the air deal. Exactly. He hasn't, he hasn't, re he hasn't set a date since. So what's the vibes there? Like it, it, is that a bad sign for Miami? I think is the bottom line. I think if it drags on maybe past this week, I think it would be concerning. Um, again, I think kind of the thought was, Hey, you know, from Wednesday, maybe he'll announce Saturday. Um, you know, I think it's possible that maybe again, just speculating, not saying anything's definitive or anything like that, but like, I, I think a decision could come at some point this week, maybe based on what I'm hearing, if it goes any further than that, then I think that it's going to be like, all right, I think something's up here right now. I still like where Miami's at. I still think Miami would be the pick if he, you know, if he indicated that he would be committing tomorrow, Tuesday, you know, right now, yeah. like, I still like where Miami is this week, but, uh, you know, I think the longer this goes, the tougher it sort of becomes. So, um, you know, kind of stay tuned. I think that will, I think Miami could be getting some good news from Jaden Bonsu at some point this week. And then four star linebacker Malik Bryant, who is from Orlando Jones High School, he was expected to commit Saturday. Um, he pushed back as well. Is there a time there? Like, what's, I guess, what's the latest there in terms of? Malik pushing back. Does he have a new commitment date? What's what's the vibes there? Yeah, I don't think he has a new commitment date either. Uh, again, another guy that I don't think he the plan was to push it back so much. Um, again, he was scheduled to commit on Saturday. I still think a decision could come relatively soon. Um, I, I, I honestly, you know, again, no real firm date, but I kind of still like where Miami's at. I think Florida had a lot to do with, you know, maybe 
making this thing tighter than maybe we anticipated it being earlier. So I do think you kind of have to watch out for the Gators, but right now I'm still feeling good about the hurricanes. And, you know, I do think again, if a decision is made sometime this week, you know, I don't plan on, I, don't, I, I mean, again, nothing I've gathered as of, you know, basically noon on Monday leads me to kind of, you know, want to get that crystal ball off of Miami. So um, okay. I'm kind of, I'm still sticking with the hurricanes right now. So we'll see if Mario can get him on the, in, in the boat right um closing on these commitments closing on these recruitments is is a skill it's hard to do um but luckily from a miami perspective mario cristobal is good at that uh i want to touch on some names to know moving forward gabby now and, and this mainly has to do with the positions where miami uh you know might have quote unquote missed some guys um last week and so let's start at safety you know, Miami missed on Joan Aguero. He decided to go to Georgia. Um, so who who are the names to know now at safety beyond Jaden Bonsu, who we've discussed? Um, who who would be the new targets at safety that Miami's gonna ramp up on? Yeah, I think a couple names to know here. Uh one is uh Kylan Webb. He's from like the Tampa Bay area, uh here in the, here in Florida. Um, he's committed to Clemson. Miami was pretty actively involved in that recruitment before he went ahead and made that, that pledge. Uh, he was a part of like that massive Clemson official visit weekend in the first weekend of, of June, uh, made the decision not long after that, uh, like many other guys did. I think they have like 14 or 15 guys, uh, from that visit who ended up committing. So, uh, but I do think Miami's still kind of working, working it there. Uh, of course, not a ton of guys flip or decommit from Dabo Sweeney, but we've been seeing it more and more in recent cycles. Of course, uh, you know, I think Miami essentially flipped Nathaniel Joseph from Clemson earlier this cycle. Reed Mikeska is the tight end who was, who's at one point committed to Clemson, uh, backed off of that and then landed in Miami's class. So, uh, you know, I don't think Mario Cristobal, these guys are afraid to kind of go toe to toe with Dabo Sweeney and and that group for, for a recruit. And just because he's committed to Clemson doesn't mean that Miami's not going to try. So uh, I think Kylan Webb might be the, the biggest name to know in terms of what's next at safety after Janelle Guerrero picks Georgia. And uh, of course, with Jaden Bonds, who's still kind of up in the air. I think another name is pro is, is Conrad Hussey. Uh, he's out of Fort Lauderdale, St. Thomas Aquinas. So Broward County kid committed to Penn state. I know Manny Diaz played a big part in that recruitment, getting him up to getting him up to the big 10, but um, he's been kind of looking around as well. You know, I think he's been up to Florida state. He's, I know he's been to Miami. Um, I think he's been to a couple other schools too. Maybe Oklahoma's in there. So uh, a guy that's maybe hasn't completely shut the door on other, some other schools. And I think Miami's trying to, you know, get some, make up some ground there too. And I know that they've, you know, kind of been involved with him since, or since they offered, which I guess came in maybe like April or maybe May. Yeah. Conrad to me is an interesting one in terms of like, Miami's just got to find a way to get him on campus, right? Have, have they gotten him on campus here since the spring? Not since, not since the spring. Um, I know they're trying to get him on campus for that, right. uh, that barbecue on, right. on the 30th. So uh, let's see if he actually makes it down to Coral Gables for that. It obviously would be a huge drive, but I don't know if he's planning on getting anywhere else or going back right. up Penn State again. David, I mean, we were talking about this before. Like These kids kind of have to make a decision about where they're going this weekend, right? Like it's not it's, it's one week in the calendar but th before things go dead again. I, you have to be right. really intentional about the schools that you want to get to. So uh, I think any kid showing up anywhere is a, is a sign of, of legitimate interest. So uh, I think we definitely – it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see where – you know, let's say a Conrad, if a Conrad Hussey does end up showing up to, to Miami for that barbecue or, or anything like that. Yeah. Kylan Webb and Conrad Hussey are, are intriguing guys. They're both four-star prospects, according to the industry generated composite ranking. Um, both guys are about six foot one ish, 185 ish pounds. And both guys are, are track athletes. Uh, Webb is an impressive triple jumper, which, uh, tells you he has explosiveness in his body and Hussey is pretty good at the hundred meters. He's gone sub 11 seconds in the hundred meters. So, um, both those guys have the athletic traits that you want in a rangy safety. So just some names to know there at safety. How about offensive line? This isn't really like a new name, Gabby, I, but I think we do got to remind people, um, that this week, Miami might be in line for some good news from an offensive line target. 
Yeah, uh, you know, again, a lot of these kids' commitment dates are kind of up in the air. Uh, the next guy who does have plans to make a decision, at least as of now, is Tommy Kinsler. He's announcing on July 28th. Um, again, another guy, the crystal ball is all on Miami right now. I, I like where the hurricanes are at there. Again, a guy that, oh, you know, our subscribers here at inside the U, uh, have kind of been tracking for a little bit now, because I feel like I've been hinting for, uh, quite a while that he's someone that they, that they definitely value and had higher on the, had, had him higher on the board. Uh, you know, even just considering his ranking, I think some people looked at that and maybe dismissed him, but you know, he's someone that they really, really like. And, uh, he came to Miami for an official visit as a Florida commit just days after committing to Florida and then uh, backed off that Florida pledge, uh, I, I guess maybe a week after that Miami official visit. So uh, crystal balls on Miami right now. If Tommy Kinsler does go through with things on Thursday, I'm, I'm liking where, where Miami stands right now. Another guy who I think could end up being at the, at the barbecue on, on, on Saturday, if he does go through with that Miami pledge. And then a name to know at receiver. I think that's worth touching on. Uh, William Foles, out of, he's now at Avant Garde High School, which is in what, Broward County, I believe? Yeah, I guess it's in Hollywood. I've never okay. seen the school before. So he was formerly at Dade Christian School. Uh, he's a big receiver, six foot two, over 200 pounds. He has very good straight line speed. Um, you know, I, I think he visited Miami one or two times in the summer. Um, it seems like Gabby, that Miami is now poised to potentially make a strong push to add William to this class. What do you know about this situation? Yeah, I, I think this is someone that Miami's recruiting. I think this is someone that, you know, intrigues a lot of people in Coral Gables. I mean, he has a he has a big frame. I believe he's listed at six foot two, 195 pounds, um, is, is one of the more impressive seven on seven receivers that you'll find in South Florida. I mean, again, a, a guy that can definitely go up and get it, make contested catches, uh, think he has some some sneaky speed too where he can get behind some people uh you know so i think miami's definitely intrigued by him i think uh i think uh you know kind of the the way the board is shaped out i think has kind of elevated fouls up it a little bit maybe he wasn't you know a plan a target in the beginning of the cycle but uh again someone that they always kind of liked and knew they had in, in their back pocket that they could always turn the heat up on and it sounds to me like you know they're in the process of doing that of really turning things up with him and uh you know a couple other schools involved here i mean i think florida state might be one to watch uh you know again another school uh in the acc that's been recruiting him for a long time and uh i think it's a pretty interesting situation david and uh Again, not really sure who else might really be truly involved or pushing. But one thing I do know is that Miami, uh, Dem, again, another guy, they're trying to get to that barbecue uh, this coming weekend. And I think someone that they would they would probably add to their class if they could. Do you think this is like, is this an indication in any way of where they, because I know, I don't know, a few podcasts ago, you made it clear like Miami really wants to make another run at Hakeem Williams. Yeah. From like a body type standpoint, um, you know, Foles and Will and Hakeem, there's similarities there in terms of them being big bodied receivers. Right. Um, is this an indication of, of where Miami might be feeling like they, they really aren't going to be in a position to land Hakeem or is that unfair to say? No, I, I mean, I don't think that's completely unfair. I mean, I think that's definitely an uphill climb, right? Like, yeah, I think Miami might be turning it up on Hakeem, maybe trying to make that that final push or maybe not a final push, but just another push. And But again, I think schools like Georgia, Texas, maybe even Pittsburgh, uh, you know, are schools that could be in better position. I, I think Hakeem's planning on getting up to Florida State this weekend. Uh, instead of Miami, again, you kind of have to follow these visits at the at this point. You got to pay attention to the places these kids are going are choosing to go see. So, um, I don't think Hakeem Williams has been back since maybe at some point in the spring. I don't know if he made it down this summer at any point. Um, at least not off the top of my head. Can do I remember that? Uh, so I mean, I don't know. I'm not loving where things are trending with Hakeem. So fouls, you know, them again turning it up on fouls. Uh, could be an indication that they don't necessarily feel great about that. Like you said, David, maybe not similar, you know, projects in terms of like projecting their NFL upside, but similar body types, uh, you know, ha have similar traits and all those things currently. So, yeah, I mean, I guess Foles could be that type of guy for them if uh, if it all came together. All right, let's uh, let's take a break there, Gabby. And on the other side, we will turn the tables a little bit and you'll lead the discussion of you know, 
picking my brain about maybe some of my thoughts coming out of the ACC kickoff. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, we are back. Hey, Gabby, yeah, I just want you to drive the conversation here because, you know, I don't really know what to talk about. I mean, I, I feel like I've written plenty uh, in terms of, like, the quote-unquote newsy nuggets to come right. out of ACC Media Days. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like this could be a good forum just for, like, some opinions, right? Um, so I will let you shoot whatever you want to shoot at me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I just, I guess one thing, I mean, I guess I'm curious about just about the ACC. And again, this is, again, maybe not newsy or anything like that. Just kind of like the vibe out in Charlotte. I mean, every ACC school's there, a ton of media members, a bunch of, you know, representatives from other schools, just like, you know, I guess, what do you feel like, like, do you feel like the perception of Miami's changed? Like, I'm sure it has a little bit with Mario Cristobal leading it and all that stuff. But what, like, what did you feel was different about Miami in the eyes of maybe, you know, the peers and, you know, all the other people there in attendance in Charlotte? Like, how, I guess, how do you think the program's viewed now? I think a lot more people uh, take Miami seriously. I think that was reflected in the coverage, right? Like, yeah. you know, uh, it's also an indication of, of how slow of a sports news time it was, but, um, you know, all day Thursday, I think is when Miami was going through the paces, like on the ticker of the bottom line of ESPN was the story, the headline of Miami doing away with the turnover chain. Right. Um, and you know, there's, (laughs) there's no other sports going on. So that's probably why. Uh, that was such a big story that day. But yeah, I mean, you could tell like national media members are taking Miami more seriously. Um, when Mario Cristobal went out to his breakout sessions, there was a lot more national media members surrounding him uh, compared to other head coaches from other schools. You know, th- there's really, there's two coaches that went through media days where you can just tell they have that presence about them of, of being big time college football coaches. One Clemson's Dabo Swinney two Mario Cristobal. They just command a room. Um, they've been there before. Uh, you know, people believe in them. I think there's, there's definitely other ACC coaches that are impressive speakers as well. Like Boston colleges, Jeff Halfley, um, you know, Mac Brown is always willing to yuck it up with the media. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I do think in general, there is more of a belief in Miami, like from a media perspective, from a national media perspective, that Miami's real. And, and you know, I think everyone's kind of optimistic about them improving already here in year one. But I think really the sense is just it's going to be real long term. You know, Miami's has a really good chance of getting back to where, you know, they're, they're legitimately competing for ACC championships. And, and I don't think that sense has necessarily been there consistently since joining the ACC. I think there was a little bit of a bump there uh, early in the Mark Rick tenure. Um, but even then, I, I think some people were a little skeptical about uh, Coach Richt and his ability to do it long-term, which turned out to be a fair thought. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, and, and also too, I think the ACC needs Miami to be good, right? Yeah. Frankly, so, um, you know, conference realignment was big talk. Jim Phillips uh, really bombed his state yeah, of the that union. Was tough, right? It was so tough. <laughs> it, was, it was just like I was getting um, Blake James flashbacks to oh, no. last year. Where look, if you're a leader, you gotta you gotta like when there's an obvious main topic, you have to attack that main topic. You can't dance around it and act like it's not the main topic. And I remember like last year when Miami had just lost to North Carolina last year, right? So they were, it was looking really bad. What was their record at that point? I don't, I don't even know, like two and three, two and four. It it wasn't good. They were under 500, I think. And he, so Blake James goes on the Packer and Durham show uh, of the ACC. (laughs) I do remember this. And it's like, all right, Blake James is going to say something. So we got to watch it. And they open the segment with like talking about women, a big women's volleyball win over something something crazy. And it's just, you know, this, this isn't what real leadership looks like, you know, and that's, that's just how I felt about Jim Phillips. And I get it. Like he's in a tough spot. He inherited this mess, but you still got to You can't be tone deaf as a leader and you have to have, you have to present some sort of vision for how you're going to get out of this mess. And, you know, he just, he missed the mark in a, in a lot of big ways. And, and just, I think there's something too, also Gabby, just keeping it real and, and letting people know like, yeah, this, this is not great. And keeping it real and saying like, I messed up nuking the college football playoff expansion plan, because now like in that expansion plan that he nuked, the ACC had an automatic bid to the college football playoff. Right. Now that's kind of up in the air. And I would bet that the ACC does not get like whatever the next college football playoff expansion looks like. Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to have an automatic bid. It's not gonna, um, they're not going to get that same sweet deal. Right. So just, you know, I think real leaders, you know, they, they don't dance around the main thing. And uh, Jim Phillips definitely botched it, but. I understand it was, it was a tough spot for him. I mean, just kind of staying there, David, I mean, do you get any, do you have any like sense on expansion or the ACC and like what the future of it's like outside of Jim Phillips and what he said, like, is there anything that you maybe took away from the weekend feeling any type of way about where Miami stands and all of this, or what maybe the conference sort of looks like long-term? I think there's some momentum. I don't know the timeline on this, but I think there is momentum for uneven revenue sharing. Um, you know, with, and and I think figuring out how to slice up that pie is going to be tough. Uh, but if Jim Phillips wants to hold on to these good ACC properties, like Clemson, Florida state, Miami, North Carolina, he's going to have to do this because those four schools, maybe a couple more are really propping up the ACC, um, where you know the bottom half of this conference really isn't bringing much to the table from a TV revenue perspective. So, you know whether you slice up the pie, um, it's probably going to have to be a mix of you know TV ratings, uh, performance in terms of like the team that wins the ACC or gets to the ACC championship game. Um, you know, I, I think. The Premier League, I don't know exactly how they slice it up in soccer, but they do it, I think, by how you finish. Right. Um, And then also you you look at Champions League in European soccer. I think it's a mix of both, like how many people watch your game and how far you advance in this tournament. So there's models out there to to pick and choose from. Um, I think long-term the ACC is screwed. (laughs) Um, so I don't know, look, I don't know the timeline in terms of like when the ACC devolve or dissolves. Um, but like 10 years from now, is there going to be an ACC? I would probably say no. Five years from now, will there be an ACC? I honestly would probably say no. Um, but yeah, we'll see. 
we'll see how this all goes. I mean, it's, it's a big issue, man. And, and Jim Phillips has to have some sort of answers. Like we get it. It's hard, but like, we don't want to hear how hard it is. We want it. We want solutions. And, right. uh, you know, I know from like a Miami perspective, the only thing they care about is revenue. So right. what are you going to do about that? And, yeah. and if Miami feels that way, you know, Clemson feels that way, you know, North Carolina feels that way, you know, Florida state feels that way. Um, I think in the immediate future, um, Miami's kind of resigned to having to be in the ACC for, I don't know, the next year, two, three. Um, but after that, I do wonder where things go, you know, four years from now, five years from now. This is just me editorializing. And right. But, right. I was, I was going to ask, like, again, this might be putting you on the spot and you might not have a clear answer to this, like, but just like maybe your sense on the situation. Like, do you think Miami's like mapping out an escape plan right now? Like long-term again, not, maybe not right now, maybe not, maybe two, three years down the line. Like, do you think that people are already kind of thinking about like, all right, we kind of got to get out oh, of yeah. here. Well, I don't know about that, but I think, yeah, I mean, Miami's exploring all options. So, you know, whether that is, staying in the ACC because somehow Jim Phillips added Notre Dame um, or finding a way to get to the Big Ten or the SEC. You know, I think everything's on the table. Um, I think it's not going to be cheap or the ACC just dissolves somehow, blows up, and then nobody has to pay anything. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Miami is all about the revenue. So, you know, Jim Phillips can go up there and say, we're a leader in everything except revenue. It's like, uh, okay. <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't cut it, you know? So, you know, I mean, look, this is business, right? right. Um, Miami and every other athletic department wants to be self-sustaining. Right. When you can bring in a hundred million dollars a year because of a TV contract, that's a huge deal, not only for your athletic department, but also honestly for your university. Cause I would imagine some of that would spill over to the university. Cause there's going to be a ton of money to just have. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a big deal, not only for the athletics program, but also the university as a whole. Yeah. All right. So let, let's pivot away from some of the ACC conference realignment talk. I know that's easy to, t to get, you know, to get yeah, into honestly, like I, it's it's very interesting, but it man, is. I'm just ready for games. Like, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean. But let, 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 let's pivot that way. I mean, Tyler Van Dyke, uh, you know, representing Miami uh, in, in Charlotte this time last year. I mean, were we talking about Tyler Van Dyke? I mean, maybe we were nope. looking forward to the Tyler Van Dyke, Jake Garcia quarterback battle or, you know, QB competition that was going to be this year. I think he's the unquestioned face of, of the Miami football program from a player perspective, um, you know, kind of going to 2022 lofty expectations kind of, you know, maybe, I don't know. Again, people are kind of just looking at him thinking a potentially potential first rounder. We talk about him that way. How do you feel like, you know, what do you feel like? Do you feel like he's kind of accepted that? Like, do you think he's kind of like taking that on kind of just like, you know, all in on it? Like, do you, I don't know. How do you feel like he sort of handled yeah. this new situation that he's kind of found himself in? Oh yeah. I mean, uh, Tyler's definitely um, embracing being the man. Um, and, and he does it in a very confident, straightforward way. Um, very businesslike, you know, I, I, I think just the biggest thing with Tyler is that we can't overlook is just how big the experience factor of last season was for him. Yeah. He got to start what I think it was nine games. He ended up starting, um, he got to learn about what it's like on the field as a starter, because it is a huge difference uh, from being a backup, uh, making that jump to being a starter. He got to learn, you know, I mean, Tyler likes to, Tyler shoots from the hip a little bit. Like he's, he's very honest when he speaks with the media. And we saw that last year going into the NC state game. Um, so, you know, he kind of shot from the hip a little bit this year when he talked about Florida state. I don't know if you saw any of those quotes, Gabby, but, he basically said, you know, he's looking forward to that Florida State yeah. game this year. He said he feels like that loss created a monster because he, he straight up said, if, if we win that game, then we probably don't make all these changes to the program. And it's clear, too, when you read between the lines that Tyler is a big fan of, of Mario. Um, they, they really do 
uh, mirror each other in terms of they're both no nonsense. They're both all about the work. They're both all about results. Doesn't want to uh, proclaim anything. Um, it it it's noticeable. It, you can tell reading between the lines that you know Tyler is here for all the changes that happened here yeah. uh, after last season, and uh, you know I, I personally think he's going to have a great year. I know there's questions about receiver. He he fully addressed those head on too. And, and, you know, it's, it's a pro mentality, which I think a lot of college fans, you know, might clutch their pearls about, but I'm here for it. You know, when Tyler was asked about the receivers, he basically said, you know, look, I don't know who it's going to be, but somebody has to step up. And I think somebody will step up. I just don't know who it's going to be. So he understands that the wide receiver position is a question mark too. Um, he does feel like the room has talent, but he's not here to be like, yeah, it's going to be this guy or this guy right. or this guy. You got to go out and prove it. And he even cited the spring game, right? He's like, you guys saw it in the spring game when, uh, you know, there was too many drops, which there was. Yeah, for sure. No, no more excuses. And, um, you know, no more excusing inconsistent play, um, get the job done. And, you know, that's what this program needs, I think or at, at other positions, quite frankly. Another guy that was out there, I mean, Jafari Harvey, uh, kind of another one who's kind of been like an off-season, you know, standout constantly. I remember coming off that fourth quarter program, you know, just kind of checking in with people. Like, he was probably the first yeah. name I heard, really him and Tyler Van Dyke, uh, you know, in that off-season program. Uh, you know, again, another guy maybe been a little bit inconsistent, maybe showed some flashes over the course of his career. Is there anything that you heard right. from him? Or like, you know, just people, you know, around him that yeah. makes you believe that he could maybe take that next step. Yeah, I don't know about that, but I do think it's interesting that he did travel. I think yeah. that's I, 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 I found that pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I think that tells you just how they feel about him in general. Um, but he's another guy, right? Like like Tyler. I mean, Tyler didn't say this about Jafari, but it, it's along those similar lines of what Tyler said about the receivers. Like, I think Jafari has to go out and prove it like he. He's very athletic. He's got an NFL body type. Um, we've seen flashes, but the consistency hasn't been there. And, and he was the first to admit, you know, last year I didn't play well enough. I think he finished last year with like two and a half sacks. I think he only had like 16 quarterback pressures, according to Pro Football Focus, which was the same amount as Corey Flagg. Um, so he's just too physically gifted to not produce. Honestly, he needs to double those numbers um, right. this year. And um, I, I do think working with Jason Taylor is going to help him with his technique in particular, because my take on Jafari is he's just been kind of like a sledgehammer, um, you know, goes hard, 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 which is good. But you also have to be able to change speeds at times, get offensive linemen off balance, Um you know, understand hand placement and, and arm technique. Um, and so I think that's the next step for him. And once he does, once he adds that to his ability to just go hard, 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 snap after snap after snap, I think he can be uh, an impactful edge rusher. So, um, you know, I, I haven't necessarily heard anything that's like extremely encouraging about him taking that next step. I think he's got to go out and prove it, but yeah. I do think it's interesting. They traveled him like, you know, your defensive representative, like if I was guessing, I probably would have guessed Tyreek Stevenson. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, he's, he's kind of young, so I get why they didn't bring him, but like James Williams, I think could have made he's another sense. one I thought of. I think you could have like, we've seen Miami bring a transfer before. So I don't think it would have been crazy to like bring Akeem Mesador even mm. uh, the West Virginia defensive line transfer, but yeah. they did bring Jafari Harvey. So I read into that as, as it being a good sign. Um, but yeah, he's got to go out and, and show it. Yeah. I mean, I guess last thing before we'll pivot to some of like the around the conference type of stuff, some of of some other teams, um, just anyone in particular that maybe just their name came up a few times and you're like, okay, maybe Miami's expecting uh, some big things from, from this player, maybe out of Mario Cristobal's mouth or maybe out of the mouths of, you know, maybe some of the other guys who, who were there. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to be 
like Mario is a high standard for the offensive line group, right? Yeah. So I don't know if if he would necessarily even call them good in his mind, but you can I I could tell like he's pleasantly surprised by how this offensive line group is responding to the new teachings and techniques what what him and Alex Mirabal demand of that position group. You can tell that he feels at least comfortable that they can go out and run the ball at a higher level than we saw last year. Um, Cause last year, the run blocking was disastrous uh, from this offensive line. You know, Mario did praise the offensive line saying they did a really good job in the spring of taking to our coaching. And he said that continued here in the summer months as well. So I think he feels really good about the offensive line. Honestly, it's interesting because, I mean, we talked about the receivers, but like, I think that's by far the biggest question mark on the offense going into this season. You could argue it's it's the biggest question mark on the team, uh, that or probably linebacker. Um, but yeah, I, I do think he's, he's very, he's, I don't know if high is the right word, but he is pleased with how the offensive line has looked to this point. I think He's excited about John Campbell. I think John Campbell's a guy that we kind of forget about um, when we project the offensive line. I think he's a guy that could factor into the starting five. Right. I don't know where tackle guard, uh, but he's another body that Mario can put in, you know, plug into this offensive line, um, you know, six, five, three twenty ish. Um, he's another guy that, that can help raise uh, the ceiling and the floor honestly, of that group. So I found that interesting. He's also, you know, I asked him about the defensive line transfers and, you know, this is, this is how Mario is going to operate, which I respect, but he said, you know, look, these are big explosive bodies that we added on the defensive line. We had no depth uh, when we arrived here on that defensive line. So I'm excited about them, what they can bring. But until we see them in pads, you know, I don't necessarily want to hype them up because I got to see them in pads. So I think he is intrigued by their defensive line now after adding all these transfers this offseason, too. Yeah. And just to kind of hammer home that uh, John Campbell point, I mean, I was talking to Tori and Wilson, who coached, who helped coach the offensive linemen at the future 50 and they got lost in obviously everything else that was going on. But, you know, I asked him about John Campbell cause that's someone he works with directly. And he said that he mm-hmm. thinks John Campbell is going to be a beast. Like he thinks that he has a real chance to come in and, and compete this year. So just, uh, just wanted to echo that. Um, I mean, David, let's kind of move on to the coastal. I mean, a couple teams that I think Miami fans should be definitely pretty locked into Pitt. obviously yeah. just came just won the conference came out of the coastal. That was tight. Miami beat them last year. Pat Narduzzi was one of my favorite like listens at the, at oh, the, yeah. at the ACC kickoff. I mean, just kind of, I feel like he's a pretty confident guy again, kind of, uh, kind of like a no nonsense type. He of seems to, to me. not care anymore. Like in yeah. terms of just like letting it rip, he let know? it rip. I mean, he, he was pretty <laughs> open and transparent about the Jordan Addison thing. I yeah. thought that that was pretty refreshing. I mean, we didn't get the coach speak there. I thought that he was again, and I think he seems pretty confident in this group and I'm not sure yeah. if that's just kind of like chip on his shoulder type of guy, but uh, you know, he was like, yeah, we should have won the, I mean, I forgot what bowl they went to, but yeah, we should have beat Michigan state. Like if Kenny Pickett was playing, we beat Michigan state. And if that's the best, if that's one of the premier big 10 teams, then I think we can go to the big 10 and he, he was awesome. Like he was just fun to listen to sure. and all that stuff. So, um, you know, just kind of your thoughts on, on Pitt this year. I mean, obviously we're placing yeah. a lot and tough to ignore, but it seems like they got some dudes on defense and, uh, you know, kind of what, what's your kind of, your kind of feel on, on Pitt? Yeah, I think, you know, I think it's them or Miami in terms of winning the coastal this year. I think if you want to say prove it Miami and, and back pit, I think that's totally fair. I have Miami winning maybe cause I'm a Homer. Uh, but I think, did Pitt, you, did you get, did you get a vote? Did you guys do like a preseason? Yeah. Football? You got a vote yeah. in that. That's yeah. pretty cool. So I've always wanted out, to vote in something. I think that comes out on Tuesday. Uh, like the, the division orders and conference champion vote on Tuesday. And I think on Wednesday is the preseason first team, all ACC. So, um, you know, I, I think the question mark in terms of pit ceiling is Keaton Slovis, the, the quarterback transfer from USC. I think he's a nice quarterback, um, but he's going to have to cut down his turnovers, his interceptions that plagued him at USC. Um, if he does do that, then that pit Miami game, 
to end the year is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, because um, it's late. It's really late. The last game. Yeah, last game. It That's could be a play-in be, game, right? Call it. How about call? You want to? Let's do an early, an early pick. Uh, college game day. Miami Pitt. Last could game be. of the season. Yeah, it, I feel I like mean, it could it, be. It could have those types of implications. Right. I agree. So, um, you know, they lost Jordan Addison, obviously, who is extremely talented. But honestly, I mean, this might be hot takey. I kind of want to look at it more, but uh, I would probably still take Pitt's starting receivers over Miami starting receivers at this point, um, which ca- kind of speaks more to Miami than Pitt, quite frankly. Uh, but to me, Tyler Van Dyke is is a better, much better quarterback than Keaton Slovis. And so that's why I have Miami having the edge there. Um, that Pitt defensive line, once again, going to be nasty. Um, and, you know, similar to my, like the whole Pittsburgh talk this week, or just this off season, I should say, is, is how they return all five of their starters. They're the most experienced offensive line in the country, which is a big deal and definitely worth noting. But Miami, I believe, is the second most experienced power five offensive line in the country. Um, so it's not like it's that much of a difference there uh, between the two teams. So, um, yeah, I mean. I do think Pitt is a team that could win 10 games this year. Um, I think that would have been a lock, quite frankly, if Jordan Addison had stayed. Um, But yeah, I mean, that Pitt, those last two games, Miami going to Clemson and then Miami hosting Pitt, those are big games. Uh, Like Mario Cristobal was was brought here to at least split those two games. Um, If they don't split those two games, that'd be pretty disappointing. I think you got to think back to last year too, right? Like Miami went toe to toe with Pitt and uh, beat them. And that was a, that was a good Pitt team. So um, it'll be interesting. I mean, I feel like flip side of that, Mac Brown was probably trying to tamper expectations on North Carolina. He was kind of like, yeah, I don't really know all that stuff with Mac. Yeah. I mean, this guy, this guy likes to like, like he acts like he doesn't like to play the media game, but he loves to play the media yeah. game, right? So like last year at this time, he was overhyping North Carolina and how great they're going to be. Yeah. And then midway through the season, he was like, well, the media. The unfair, expe- uh, the unfair right. expectations and all that stuff. And So now he's, he's deflecting he's, a lot. Now he's reversing that role and, you know, trying to tamper expectations, which as a coach is probably a wise thing to do. Um, and so, yeah, who knows midway through the season, maybe if North Carolina is decent, he'll say how no one believed in them in the preseason. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, look, I don't know. I, I do think North Carolina has talent. Um, I'm just kind of like, I'm kind of out on the whole Mac Brown thing. Um, I just don't know if he's going to get them over the hump of what North Carolina can be. Um, but they're certainly talented enough to pop Miami. And we've seen that how many years in a row now? Yeah, three. He, he made it clear that they've beaten Miami three years in a row. Right. So, you know, that's, I believe that's the first ACC game on this schedule. Uh, Miami, I think, gets them after a bye week. So, yeah. you know, they got something to prove there. So, um, you know, I view North Carolina as like a seven and five, eight and four type team this year. Um, but they certainly have the talent to win nine games. Are the, are those the two teams you think in the coastal that you're probably looking at most? Is yeah. is Virginia a team that you're you're kind of no. sneaking up on, or you think it's North Carolina and Pitt? Yeah, Virginia got hammered by the portal. Yeah, I mean they have Brennan Armstrong, who I think is a great college quarterback. Right. Um, but outside of him, like they their offensive line got decimated. Yeah, they got and they they added bad. some pieces in the portal too. But their, their portal pieces went to like solid spots too. Like right. they had guys actually go to like like nice like they found good spots for sure. Right. So they lost some talent. Um, you know, you have a guy like Brennan Armstrong that's always going to be dangerous. But yeah, a new coaching regime. It's just it's going to be a transition period. I think for I. The coastal, honest, like this is one of the takeaways too. Like the Atlantic division is so much, and I'm not saying the Atlantic division is, is tough. I'm not saying like the Atlantic division is like the SEC Western, right? But you compare it to the coastal, it's not even close. Yeah, it's pathetic how 
they're calling it coastal chaos. I guess that's the, I guess that's the term they decided to roll with on ACC kickoff day is just all oh, the coastal chaos. You never know what's going to happen. New winner every year. So, I mean, I guess yeah. you gotta, I guess you, I mean, Duke I mean, is a train wreck. Yeah. Georgia tech's a train wreck. Virginia tech and Virginia are going through coaching transitions right. where they lost a lot of talent as well. Um, you know, whereas you compare the Atlantic, like they got a lot of good quarterbacks over there. Um, Sam Hartman, uh, Phil Jerkovich, uh, Jordan Trap. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, you're gonna end. You're gonna end up on. W- welcome to the. Welcome back to the Knowles Two Four Seven Board, David Lake, for uh, <laughs> for all that. Uh, let, let Let's pivot to the Atlantic. Let's pivot to Florida State. I mean, I know you kind of got there during the Atlantic session on on Wednesday. Uh, you know, just yeah. I know you asked Mike Norvell about Miami. Uh, you know, kind of his thoughts. And, you know, he said he doesn't really have a relationship with Mario Cristobal. Just, uh, you know, kind of your takeaways from, you know, what you heard from Florida State and maybe even what some of Mike Norvell's comments on on Miami and uh, how he responded to to those questions. Yeah, I mean, my biggest thing with Florida State, and especially now that Miami has its act together and is investing into football, it just bums me out that Florida State isn't doing that yet. I think they will in time. But, you know, for me, college football is just most fun when Miami and Florida State are at a high level, duking it out on the field and on the recruiting trail. And to me, you know, I mean, Mike Norvell just ain't it. He's not going to get them to that championship level. Um, I do think Florida State's going to be better this year because, I mean, if they're worse, that's they went five and seven last year. So I, I think. I think this year, you know, six and six or seven and five for Florida State, which is an improvement. Um, But to me, the question after that is, do you bring him back after a six and six or seven and five year? Because I think everyone in the room knows Mike Norvell ain't it. But like, are we going to prolong this? Are we going to are we going to do the lame duck dead man walking year of 2023 with Mike Norvell? Are you just going to? move on like you should. Um, so that's where I kind of, you know, my thoughts on Florida state, uh, you know, from what I was told, you know, I, I think they're planning to build a football only facility, you know, later this year or, or early next year, break ground on that. And that project is going to cost, you know, $75 million or so. And so that money might tie up uh, the potential of, of needing the money for coaching change. Right. So right. that sounds, that sounds um, right. Cause they're kind of tight anyways there. Right. Like apparently, I mean, look, I, I think, I think if Florida state goes out and can hire a legitimate coach, whoever that is, I mean, it's similar to Miami. Um, when you have, when you have a coach that uh, inspires boosters to give money, guess what? You find that money. Um, I think they're 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 Miami and Florida State are like the Spider Man meme, and you know yeah. when Florida State decides to heavily invest in football, they will be back to being elite. Um, I'm just not sure Mike Norvell's that coach that inspires that type of investment. Yeah, I mean another. I mean we talked about Clemson earlier. Uh, Dabo seemed as confident in this team as, as he's been, I mean, freakish defensive line with Brian Breesey, my miles Murphy, uh, a couple of the other KJ Henry, a couple of those guys, um, you know, just kind of your feel on Clemson, I guess is Clemson going to have a quote unquote bounce back year. I mean, after, you know, not making it to the AC title game for the first time, uh, you know, I don't know if you have any DJ Uyunglele t- thoughts. It sounds like uh, Dabo kind of backed him up too, and yeah. you know, kind of gave him his endorsement and, and all that good stuff. Uh, what did you so, make from the time you spent around uh, Dabo and, and Clemson? I've picked Clemson to win the ACC um, primarily because of their defense. Their defense is salty. Like their defense is, is going to be legit. Um, DJ is very interesting to me and I, I'm not as negative on him as I think a lot of people are. And, and what I struggle with Gabby is wrapping my head around like we saw DJ in 2020 when he was thrown in as a starter against, he played at Notre Dame and he threw for 439 yards and two touchdowns and ran for a touchdown Yeah, wow. at Notre Dame. 
Um, the week before that, he threw for 342 yards and two touchdowns and ran for a touchdown. That was against Boston College. But still, like that level of play, he was so far from that as a starter last year in 2021. And I can't, I can't wrap my head around why. Like last year, he never threw for more than 250 yards in a game. Um, he threw for two touchdowns in only two games. He had a, a nine to 10 touchdown to interception ratio overall on the season. So, you know, I think it's fair to look at like, can DJ be somewhere in the middle of that wide gap? I think that's fair. And I think if he does, I mean, Clemson's going to be in the college football playoff hunt. Um, you know, from a Miami perspective, uh, you know, I, I think back to Brock Berlin. This was this is a long time ago now, but Brock Berlin was really bad his first year starting uh, at Miami. I think it was in 03. Um, you know, I think his interception, touchdown to interception ratio that year was like 12 to 17. Uh, and then the next year he bounced back and was pretty good. He, he had a 22 to six touchdown to interception ratio that year. Um, I think DJ is a talented guy. I think he cares. I think last year, you know, he lost confidence. I think that was pretty clear. I think he battled through some injuries that weren't necessarily publicized. I think he had a hand deal. I think he had a shoulder deal he played through, um, which is, of course, going to affect the quarterback. Um, I think he will bounce back. Is he going to be the elite quarterback that he was hyped to be going into last season? Probably not. But can he be a, a good, solid college quarterback? I think so. And if that's the case, Clemson's going to win 11 or 12 games this year, I think, in terms of the regular season. Do you think that, that so does it sound to you like that was all in on DJ? Cause I know K club, Nick, obviously coming in with some hype. I read something. He yeah. was up to like one ninety five. Uh, did he, I don't know if you got to talk, like if you got to hear any of his, like, you know, that was anyone... full in on DJ for now, yeah. which I think is the right play. And, right, and it is. And, and DJ's DJ's performance will determine whether or not K club, Nick plays. And, and if DJ isn't at least above average, um, then I think Miami will be playing against Cade Klubnik. Uh, but let me be clear. Like, I don't think Cade Klubnik is like anywhere close to like Trevor Lawrence. Um, so, you know, I don't think it's like that type of five-star quarterback pressure situation right. with the backup, you know? Um, and DJ is a talented guy. Like DJ, I mean, this is, this might be whatever, but he, he's definitely a lot slimmer than he was last year. Um, He's no, he said he's down to 230. And I think last year he played in that 260 range. To me, the big takeaway with that is like, you know, he's he's invested. Um, and I think he's gonna factor in more as a runner this year, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. Um, there's talent there with DJ. I think his issue last year was primarily mental. And so, you know, if, if he if he doesn't slip back into those issues. I think he's going to be fine, but we're going to know a lot. They play, I think they play NC state early-ish slash midway-ish through the season. And that game is going to test them because they're going to have to probably score some points in that game to win it. Um, so we'll, we'll have an idea about Clemson and DJ after that game, I think. Yeah. So big, uh, big weekend over at ACC kickoff, David crushed it. Um, Camp starts August 5th, man. Uh, yeah, I guess August we're 5th. August 5th. So I think, I guess that's officially out there and all yeah. that stuff. Uh, you know, I guess season's right around the corner, man. Uh, I, I think I'm, I think I'm almost at the point where I'm passing the baton back to you where <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, all right, it's, it's, it's the David Lake show. And I kind of can start lurking in the background while, uh, you know, all the in season stuff gets going. So yeah, kind of ready, re definitely ready to see some, some real football and not just, uh, you know, projecting to the future with some of his recruiting stuff. So excited about that. I'm here for it too. Love football right around the corner. August 5th uh, is when Miami is planning to start their fall camp. Uh, so yeah, and then uh, as, as Gabby mentioned, August is a dead period in terms of recruiting uh, visits of any sort happening on a campus. So we'll have plenty of stuff. I mean, fall camp is a beast of its own. Gabby will definitely be around practice helping us with that. Uh, but yeah, 
football right around the corner. Finally, finally, finally. And uh, it's going to be an exciting time with the start of the Mario Cristobal era. So let's end it there. Uh, we'll probably do another podcast this week, Gabby, maybe touching a little bit on the barbecue that Miami is going to be holding this weekend as they look to attract some recruits on campus. Um, appreciate everyone who listens. Thank you so much for your support. And until next time, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.